Yeah, I was just handing the hymnal to the kid, and I hadn't been working out. I've just been sitting in a car driving for a long time, so so it goes. Uh, I'm all right, but it was funny how quickly so many people became drug dealers. Like, at that moment, there were a lot of people who like, I got something for you. And I'm like, hey, no thank you. I learned how to say no at school. So, <clears throat> at least until after the sermon, so nothing weird comes out. Uh, a couple of quick interstate, uh, entertaining stories. Let's laugh for a second. Uh, number one, to throw Richard under the bus for just a second. But just a second. But we live under there together, uh, usually, I, I like to think. But so last night, Meredith is helping me work on sermon. And uh, I'm like, Meredith, I need a good illustration of, you know, when somebody is just overjoyed. You know, that moment when people are just rejoicing and overjoyed and joyful. And she goes, how about that scene in Christmas Vacation where Clark turns on the lights and the house lights up and he's all excited about it? And I was like, yes, that's perfect. But it's probably not appropriate to use Christmas Vacation in the worship service because it's not... It's, we've all watched this movie. It's not a particularly appropriate movie for worship service. And then this morning, Richard's like, hey, welcome, Clark Griswold. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> well, so it's appropriate for some of us. But then it came up again in Sunday school, because one of our Sunday school class members was talking about how they were getting the Christmas lights out of the attic and decorations and all the memories, getting stuff out of the attic. And we were all in class like, you mean like in Christmas vacation when Sparky goes to the attic? So anyway, we... We had the second one I've got for you, another good story. Um, so if, if you, whether you made it or not this afternoon to um, Claude's uh, funeral ceremony, it was a very worshipful time, uh, and we were telling stories about Claude. Uh, one that I did talk about was uh, how he uh, boiled and barbecued down, you know, hogsheads into hash. Like, that was actually a thing that was going on even since I've been here in the last six years, is throw a couple of heads uh, of pigs into the big pot, the family pot, and uh, just... Cook them on, on down all day until, yeah, until you can eat it. Uh, and for some of you, that never happens. <laughs> that moment, it just never arrives there. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, it was good. I enjoyed that. Uh, and that's, that, is, that used to have been saying something. Uh, but I, as lo- the longer I've been out here, the more I've started trying to eat weirder and weirder things. And one of them is, another one Claude-related, I just didn't share but wanted to, was... I had never seen, so I've always liked eating all sorts of stuff, but weird was like city weird. So it was like trying different kinds of sushi, you know, and stuff like that. It was not, it was kind of fancy weird, not, uh, not holler weird, you know. And so um, when I first got here, and, and we go to Maria's Fish Place, and she's serving mullet, right, which is a very oily dark meat fish uh, that a lot of people don't like because they don't like how fishy it is. I, I've gotten a taste for it, though. I tell you, the first time you eat it, it doesn't agree with you, and neither is the second or third time. But by the fourth time, <laughs> if, you, if you're going to hold out, if you'll make it to the fifth or sixth time eating it, you start to get a taste for it, and some regular lighter white meat fish just don't have enough flavor uh, any longer. But the first time I was sitting down with Claude eating fish, and, uh, and the skin and the bones and the fins are all there fried together on the fish, and that was new for me. I didn't know this was a thing people did, and I'm, I'm kind of like trying to figure out where to begin. I'm, I, you know, when in Rome, we're going to go for this, uh, but I'm trying to figure out how to tear this thing apart and eat it, and Claude's over there chomping on a fin, and I said, Claude, you, you eat? You can do that? <laughs> you eat that? And Claude's like, oh, yeah, that's the best part, and so, uh, so sure enough, he was right. Uh, the fins are the best part. Uh, and delicious. So there we are. Are there any fin eaters in the room tonight? There you go. I'm with you now. I've, uh, I've joined in on this one. That's some good eating. Uh, 
You can, I need, sorry, just as a little bit more information. Uh, if you'd like to go visit Maria at her fish place, you're always welcome. Uh, it, it is, there's a strong aroma of fish place there to, if you can't handle that sort of thing. But she always has just boneless uh, frozen fillets of tilapia she'll fry up for you. And sometimes she has shrimp, and they're the best shrimp ever. So by all means, go check in on Maria uh, and get you some fish when you want to. But if you're feeling it, the tilapia, especially after you've developed uh, your system to approve of tilapia, it'll be good for you. Okay, I mean uh, mullet, rather. <laughs> Go with the mullet, that's the one. <clears throat> All right, I want to read a Bible passage tonight. In fact, yeah, it's just good to laugh for a minute. I want to I wanna go to Scripture, though, uh, and read some Scripture together, but not a normal not a normal Christmas passage, but I still want to read it with Christmas eyes, if you will. I want to read it in the spirit of the season, which you may not have done before on this passage, but I think it'll be helpful to you. Just given that we were talking about the shepherds and the lowly and humble, who God's message comes to and who He brings it to, and given the just general weariness that might be going on in this season... Uh, just given how difficult the Christmas season can be and be weary for some of you, uh, sometimes I want to turn and read out of Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 25. We're going to read where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know this passage. You know these verses, but let's read them as a Christmas passage tonight. In the Pew Bible, it's page 865. That's the one I'm reading out of, page 865. But Matthew chapter 11, I'll start reading in verse 25 to give us the context for it, uh, and then we'll read those verses as well. You ready? Let me say a prayer for us, and we'll begin. Father God, I thank you so much for these words tonight. I thank you for the kind of God you are. I thank you for how gentle you are with us. I thank you for how patient you are with us. I thank you how kind you are to us. Father, for those who are difficult or weary or the season is just difficult, I pray that you'd go easy on us. And I pray that you'd be especially near to us. And even in the midst of weariness, let us bear much fruit in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, and you have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. These words are always in season and always necessary. Let me just point your attention to a few verses before we get to the, the last piece that we're going to focus on. Verse 26. 
Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. God has never done anything that he hasn't enjoyed doing. Scripture says, the Psalms say that the Lord sits on his throne in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. Now, that could be bad news for us, depending on what pleases him. But God's good pleasure is always for our good. So he says, I praise you, Father in heaven. You have hidden these things from wise and intelligent, and you have revealed them to infants. Perhaps that feels demeaning for us, but we, knowing who we are, we take it exactly as it's meant. That God was gracious even on little old us, and that this was the good pleasure of God to have revealed it to us. Further, he says, all things have been entrusted to me by the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal Him. So, no one knows the Father but the Son, the Son but the Father, and no one knows the Father except anyone who the Son desires to reveal Him. So, the Son has to want to reveal the Father. So, who are these people? Who are these people, these anyone who the Son desires to reveal Him? Turns out it's all of us at least. It is the Father's good pleasure to reveal these things. It is the Son's good pleasure to reveal these things to us. Jesus, it's not coincidental here or cut and paste. Verse goes straight into verse. He says, it is the Son's good desire to reveal this to these people. And then the Son turns and says, anyone anyone who is weary and burdened. So, who does the Son reveal the Father to? Anyone who will come to Him. Come to Me, all of you who are weary. He shouts it from the mountaintops. Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It is that simple. First command Jesus has for you is, (laughs) come to Me. It is simple. If I may, you should go to him. <laughs> this is a, what, what else should we say about this? You should. The call goes out every day. Come to me. When you wake up at 3 a.m. from some weird dream, or alternatively, some child has a weird dream and wakes you up, it's a good time to go to Jesus. It is still at this time that he is saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Go to the Lord in the early morning. For those of you who can't sleep at night, you could, and we all have, and I do, you know, stay up and watching a show till you fall asleep to it. Or this is also the perfect time to come to Jesus. He is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So let's talk about this. How do you come to Jesus? What are the ways in which you come to Jesus? Because we can, and because it's Sunday night, let's have it. Let's hear from you. What are the ways in which we go to Jesus? How do you come to Him? Prayer. Prayer. Worship. Reading the Bible. Bible. Singing. Absolutely singing. What else? No, I'm serious. Yeah, by all means. Listening to sermons. I do it all the time. I listen to a lot of sermons. I love it. Service. Serving others in His name. Absolutely. How do you go to him? How do you come to him? Reading his word, yes. How do you come to him? You can come to him by an altar call. 
You can come to him. This is why we invite people in our invitation altar call, even the saved. But you can come and you can spend some time kneeling in prayer to him. The call to kneel in prayer goes because what our bodies do, our hearts do. We're one thing. We're not multiple things. So when we bow our heads or kneel our knees down, we do this with our souls as well before God. You can go to him in an altar call and invitation. You can go to him, as we've said, in a simple prayer. Jesus, please help. He says, come to me, all you are weary. How do you come to him? Jesus, please help me out. A simple prayer like that. You can go to him by a simple declaration. Jesus is Lord. This is what it means to go to him. You can go to him in song. This is why having your own hymnal is so important, or just having some of these songs that you can sing without a hymnal and sing to people. It's a very, very simple one, but when I go to visit people um, who are in the hospital or who are dying and we need to sing a song together, and I don't always do it, but sometimes, you know, when the Spirit takes me or I feel like it's a good idea, we'll sing a simple song together. But the simple song that I sing is always the Father, I adore you. Father, I adore you. Lay my life before you. How I love you. Spirit, I adore you. And Jesus, I adore you. It's very, very simple, but it's perfect. <laughs> and it's exactly how I go to him and worship uh, when worshiping with some people in that song. Perhaps you have a song. That... It's Sunday night. Let's talk about it. What song do you sing when you go to God, worship God at various points? What's the song that's just in your heart to go to him and worship easily and quickly. How great thou art, majesty. Thou art worthy. Mm. He touched me. Thank you, Lord. Jesus loves me. Be thou my vision. I love Be Thou My Vision. That one comes to me a lot, too. I sing that one. There was the blind lady who sang it some decades ago now. You know what I'm talking about? Her version. It's neat because she was, sorry, Ginny something or other. It was neat because she was blind, and she sang, yeah, yeah, and she's singing, Be Thou My Vision. It's all the more, there's, it was important that you knew that she was blind in that, in that moment. Sorry, it wasn't random, I promise. But yeah, anybody else songs that you go to sing a lot, learn one or two. Just have them in your heart to sing to him at all times. Uh, simpler is frequently better in this case, to be able to sing a simple tune to him. You can go to him also, just like Samuel in the middle of the night. When God calls Samuel, calls him out by name and says, Samuel, here I am, Lord. Speak to me. Your servant is listening. That's what he says. Here I am. Speak. Your servant is listening. This is a great phrase for us as well. Whether woken up in the night or sitting alone in the evening or afternoon, here I am, Lord. Speak to me. Your servant's listening. I'm ready. In these ways, these various ways, we go to Him. So go to Him. He calls us, come to me. For the first time, which you have in every other day as well of your life, let us go to Him, all of us. And who are the ones who go to Him? All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In a certain way, we Christians, we are the unburdened. Now, to be sure, we are still grieving. We are still pressed, but we're not crushed. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Certainly, we are burdened, but at the same time, we are unburdened because of who carries our burden. And that's what this is about, after all. He says, come to me. 
when it comes to carrying burdens, he's the one who carried the greater one. That's what this talk about yoke, the burden, uh, the steering mechanism is about in this passage. We Christians are somehow surprisingly unburdened, even when we're burdened, which is the interesting part. Um, I've talked recently to several of our members, as have you perhaps, uh, who have been suffering or struggling in dire health situations, and alternately are both rejoicing in the Lord in a way that is a powerful witness to me uh, over little aches and pains when I'm grumbling uh, to the Lord, but also grumbling to the Lord and burdened. You know, having talked in this past week to our good friend Jim Corley. By the way, if you need encouragement, give Jim a call. <laughs> He's, uh, he will be encouraging to you even though he is going through some severe treatment for cancer and hopes they'll be able to remove it, but it's still a very uh, difficult cancer. And uh, so we are prayerful with him, but he's a ray of sunshine, that Jim, and yet still heavily burdened. Those are both there at the same time. Likewise, I sat down this week with Ann Malden, uh, our friend who is struggling with cancer once again, uh, but has also fallen and so now is just, just struggling with health. And on the one hand, rejoicing and a delight and joy to talk to, and on the other hand, deeply burdened we Christians, we are the burdened and the unburdened, but we have a Savior, Jesus, who says constantly to us under any weariness or burden, come to me and I will give you rest. This promise is as certain for us as Jesus saying, I will come again. So we go to him for rest. How does he give us rest? In which ways are we rested by the Lord? One of the ways that he gives us rest is by letting us know the conclusion, letting us know how it ends. We don't know all the pieces. We don't know what's going to happen tonight or tomorrow, but we do know how it ends in resurrection, in eternal life, in a restored and perfect world. I have, as an illustration, uh, knowing the conclusion of something and how important that is, I have, by way of illustration, um, wanting to see the end of a football game, like a late-night football game in which you just have to stay up to see the end of it, you know? But this is entirely fabricated, because if a game's going to start at 8, Meredith knows, I'm out. There's no way I'm going to make it to halftime. I don't, I don't stay up for the conclusion of these. But perhaps some of you do and need to see the end of something for comfort. Well, there's your illustration for yourself, but you had to bring it on your own. From Christ, we rest in knowing the conclusion of things. Me, when it comes to football games, I rest not knowing the conclusion. I, I go to sleep. I'm out. I can't stay up anymore. It's part of because yeah, it's the part of my becoming age, aging into my personality and becoming an old man. How does God give us rest? In being with us all the way, He gives us rest by letting us know the conclusion of all things. He gives us rest by being with us all the way. Have you had a health scare? It's so stressful not knowing what's bothering you. It's so stressful not knowing, having an issue and making up in your mind all sorts of things that it could be and not knowing what it is. And yet, He is with us at all times. He never leaves us alone. At no point in our not knowing does He stop knowing. He knows and He is with us. And so He is with us, and like we read in Psalm 131 a couple of Sundays ago, a night, a couple of Sunday nights ago, Said, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Lord, with you, I am like a weaned child with its mother. 
I know I can be comforted because I have somebody who is with me who knows what's going on. Finally, how does God give us rest? In giving us peace within. This is that peace that surpasses all understanding that we have. Simply have a peace within. Have you ever remembered suddenly something that you're ashamed of? Have you ever had those moments where some past sin, some, something you misspoke or you spoke out of anger or you lied or you said something wrong or some past embarrassing sin in your life comes back and just haunts you all of a sudden when you're driving along or something else is happening, you suddenly just feel uh, ashamed of what you've done in the past? This happens to everyone. This is common to all people, not just Christians. And yet, even at these moments, we have a peace because, take a moment and remember, our sins are forgiven. (laughs) Our sins are forgiven. Yes, I was a fool. (laughs) Yes, I was a liar. Yes, I've done, I've been a jerk. But my sins are forgiven. And I have a peace because God has given me a peace in knowing this, that I'm a forgiven person now. Those things have been separated from me. Finally, how does He give us rest? He gives us rest by giving us peace with God. It is not just rest, however, that He gives us. It's also work. Do you notice that in this passage? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He gives us, he gives us rest and He gives us work, but those aren't contrary to each other, and sometimes they're the same thing. Hey, you who are weary and burdened, He has rest for you. And here's a part of that rest. Take up his yoke and get to work doing his work. And this is a part of the rest that he has for us. We find rest in this and getting to be a part of the work that he is doing. What is his yoke after all? It's both rest and work. It is his life to follow him and to obey him. His rest is to live rightly and righteously. This is the rest and the work. His work is to live simply. The idea is, if you weren't satisfied without something, you probably won't be satisfied with it. Satisfaction doesn't come from things. And so, what is His yoke? It is to live rightly. It is also to live simply. What is this yoke that He calls us to take up? It is to live seriously, to live on purpose. I read some years ago, and I've talked to you about it because it kind of changed the way I think about life and categorize people. Uh, But Augustine wrote long ago about how his life used to be about frivolity. His life was about spectacle. He was just interested in being entertained. He went to shows. That's what he did all the time. And the kinds of shows that he went to weren't appropriate at all, he would say. The sort of things that he tried to entertain himself with. His life was simply about spectacle. But when he came to trust Christ, he he instead chose a life that was on purpose, the serious life. That's what it means. Not serious as in we don't tell jokes. We're going to tell a lot of jokes. But serious as in it's all on purpose. The point of this day is not simply have entertaining myself through it. The purpose of this day is having done something on purpose in this day. There's a category of people who are simply not serious about life. Let it not be us. We're going to be the ones who are serious about our lives and our days, not glowering, but just that we live them on purpose. 
for ourselves to grow closer to Christ, for our children to grow closer to Christ, for the people around us to come to know Him well. We will live on purpose for the Lord. And finally, what does it mean to take up His yoke and learn from Him? It means to be a student of His Word constantly. Uh, I got, and then amongst everything else, left it over in my office, so you'll have to take this illustration uh, as it is, but uh, I got a new, it's a good time to buy a Bible, you guys. That's, that's what it is. All of the publishers have found out uh, all these new different ways to market and publish them, and so you know, there's journaling. There used to be, you know, your regular and your large print. And now there's like eight different styles and fonts and sizes. There's the one with a big wide margin for note-taking on the outside. There's like the women's Bible and the children's Bible. There's, there's a Bible for every occasion, and there's all kinds of good ones. And these are excellent tools. Uh, two years ago for reading through the Bible, I got one that didn't have any chapters and verses in it. And that was actually kind of neat for me. Uh, before that, I had, when, in reading the Bible for my own reading, I, I would get Bibles that weren't study Bibles, like our Pew Bible. So if I came to something I wasn't quite sure what Jesus was talking about, I couldn't just look to the bottom real quick and go, that's what he's talking about. I had to sit there for a minute and think about it and pray about it, and then maybe go and continue to think about it and pray about it, and sometime days later uh, come to it, or maybe turn into a study Bible later that day, you know, to find it out. But I would do it that way. Well, two years ago, I read one that was no verses, no chapter markings, because the original was obviously not with verses and chapters. You just read it, like little letters. You read it, uh, like the story that it is. And it was helpful to me and awfully powerful. Well, the new one that's just come out by um, uh, Lifeway, our Baptist publishing house, who does the CSB, is a, uh, a journaling Bible where each book of the Bible is in its own little thin paper journal form. And on one side, the Scripture printed in a nice large font, because we're getting old, y'all. Uh, and on the other side, the lines that you can write stuff in. And, uh, and so I got as a free copy at a conference I was at two weeks ago, um, I got First and Thess Second Thessalonians in one. And so my study has been reading First and Second Thessalonians, and it's been delightful. So good, so that I'm like, you know, my, my Wednesday night group, we're going to have to do this, is just get each of us a copy of this so that we can be journaling through our, our, uh, one of the books of the Bible ourselves together and then come back together with the fruit of it because it's so valuable. But I wanted you to know about this. I will show it to you. I would have. It's over in the office. I will show you this to you if you'd like to take a look at it, and you can order it from Lifeway. But there's all sorts of tools for us to be devoted to learning from Him because after all, He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The life of Christ in following Him and reading His Word is learning from Him and continuously learning how to be more like Christ. He says next, and this is most unusual, take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. We have this God of ours who is absolutely a lion who is King of kings and Lord of lords, who will tread out the winepress of the wrath of God. Uh, there's this image in Revelation where there's him on a white horse and all the armies of the Lord lined up in battle and nobody goes out to fight at all except God himself treading out the winepress of the wrath of God. And yet this very same God of ours says to us, I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. There's a little more to say about this except rejoice. 
the Lord is lowly and humble in heart towards us. He's been gentle towards us. What it means is when He approaches us, He approaches us like you or I might approach a skittish dog. Like you or I might come up on a skittish dog, a dog caught in a trap or something like that that's hurt and needs help but is ready to bite you. You know this situation? You understand it? The best you can do is walk up to said dog as gently as possible. There, there, calm down, calm down. It's going to be okay. Hold on. I'm going, to, I'm going to fix it for you. We're going to take care of this. All the while, the dog is lashing out and biting. There, there, calm down. The Lord comes to us in this way. When we go to Him, what we find is that He is lowly and humble in heart towards us. Finally, He says, you will find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why is it light? I think there are two images. Yeah, exactly. I think there are two images of a yoke involved here. His yoke, as in he's the one steering an animal by said yoke. That's absolutely here. So to take his yoke is to allow him to steer and control in your life. Uh, We become the animal. Uh, He is the one steering us, and he takes control of our life. But I do also think here is the image of the double yoke which is so common to us and was common then too, a double yoke. Why is the burden of the yoke easy for us? Because of who we're yoked to. Who's actually carrying the weight here? This is not an even partnership by any means. This is like we are that scrappy hurt dog, but we've been yoked together with the biggest bull there is. There's very little work to be done on our part, only to rejoice and allow him to steer for us. So, I wanted to share this passage with you because, as I said at the beginning, this is for all seasons and always the right passage to hear. It doesn't matter which time. I, because of temperament, always think it's also the right time to be lighthearted and joke about things. I'm going to stick with it. I like that. But I also think, whether weary or exhausted, it is always the right time to come to Christ to trust Him because He has called you to do so. It was His good pleasure. Jesus said, yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. And Jesus says, anyone, He's going to give this message that's been entrusted to Him to anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal Him. And then He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. That's a promise. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Do we have a Christmas song to sing? Because that's what I would like. All right, let's pray together, and let's sing some more Christmas music. Father God, you are our delight and our joy, and all our hope is in you. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.